We've been in the middle of this month, we've been in the middle of a series called Tomorrow Starts Today. And uh, we've actually been saying that our future success in life is determined by how well we learn lessons today. In fact, that could be one that we could add to the list right there. If you develop a habit of prayer, you will be successful in life. That's not even on my slides, that's just free. You can have that for free this morning, and that doesn't count against my time. Uh, all three people laughed, and the rest of you are like, oh, Pastor Chris, what time is it now that you mentioned it? Uh, tomorrow really does start today. If you are in your 20s and you want to be successful in your 30s and 40s, you will learn some things now. Isn't that amazing? That I don't know how many of you are sitting in this room and wish you would have been a better learner of lessons when you were younger? Man, if, if I would know back then just to keep my eyes peeled and take advice and learn and listen, I could have saved myself a whole lot of pain. I, I, maybe it's selfishly motivated. Like, I would love to learn from other people's mistakes so that I don't have to go through them. I don't know if that's selfish or not, but it's wise. Come on. We, the more that we can learn and keep our eyes peeled for what other people have to impart to us, the more we learn today the better we will do tomorrow. And the key verse for our series is Proverbs twenty four fourteen. We put it up there every week. Could we read it all together this morning? You don't even have to stand to do it, but let's just read. Uh, you may be sure that wisdom is good for the soul. Get wisdom and you will have a bright future. Man, amen, Lord Jesus. We want a bright future. Isn't that amazing? All these weeks we've been reading this verse. Have you noticed that it says wisdom is good for your soul? Yeah, how many of you were here when Pastor Pam talked about being whole in your soul last month? And one of the ways that we can be whole in our soul and have peace and not be worried about what's going to happen in tomorrow is to get wisdom. It says wisdom is good for our soul. And so the more that we embrace wisdom, the more we can have health and peace in our souls. And we've covered several lessons each week. You can go online and listen to them all. If you missed them, they're available on the website. But let's jump right in. Here are some tips to having a bright future and getting some wisdom. The first lesson that I know that we all need to embrace is get rid of pride. Ouch. All right, can we skip that one and go on to the next one? No, we're going to talk about it for just a second. Get rid of pride is the first lesson. And this is not just, I'm proud of my son, or I'm proud of some accomplishment I've done. That's not what I mean by that. In fact, I will say, I'm proud of my son. If, if, if you're friends with me on social media, you, you will notice that I posted yesterday, Silas was rookie of the week in, the, in his in the conference that their college is in for track and field and athletics, uh, he got named Rookie of the Week. So I was proud of my son and I had to share that. Maybe you know that's not the kind of pride I'm talking about getting rid of. There, there are times you can be proud of your family, you can be proud of something you've done. Come on, if you're on the grass cutting team here at New Life, you guys are awesome. And when you look back at that field with those stripes that you've just left in it, it looks all pretty and prim and proper, you can be proud of that. It's okay to say, I accomplished something that I'm proud of. I am talking about the selfish kind of pride that says, I don't need you. I can do it myself. I know all the answers. I don't have anything to learn and I'm always right. How many of you know what kind of pride I'm talking about when I say that? And and I'm not asking for a show of hands if you've ever done that kind of pride uh, because I know we could all raise our hands on that. But that's what I'm talking about, the ugly pride that says I don't need anybody else. I don't have anything to learn. I know all the answers. Pride is ugly and the only person that pride is appealing to is yourself. 
Because when you're proud, you don't think you have any problems. And you think, this is great. Look at me. I've got it all together. And we hate to see it in other people. Our pride doesn't let us see anything that's wrong. And think about it. We've probably all said it sometime. Oh, that person is so arrogant. They're so proud. Like, we don't even want to be around them sometimes. Our pride is ugly to everybody else around us. And that's why we need to get it out of our lives. Uh, Pride will get us into trouble again and again. That's an actual biblical principle. Here's a verse for you in Proverbs 13, verse 10. It says, pride leads to conflict. Pride will get you into trouble again and again. It leads to conflict. And watch this. It says, those who take advice are wise. Isn't that a great promise in scripture? When we think we are always right and we don't have anything to learn, it always leads to conflict with somebody. It will rub them the wrong way. We will disagree. We will have opposing views. We will end up very lonely if we walk in pride because we think we don't need anyone. I have a hint for you. If you think you don't need anyone, pretty soon no one will be with you. It's not rocket science this morning. This is just the Bible speaking wisdom right to us. If we think we don't need anybody else, we will eventually end up very alone. And that's not God's best plan for us. We said last week, the only thing in all of creation that God said wasn't good was aloneness. So we don't need to be walking in pride where we don't think we need anybody else. It gets us into trouble. When I admit, when I can't admit that I'm wrong ever, I'll never grow. I will be stuck being the same person I am. We've been talking about pursuing wisdom to have a bright future. And it says right there in that verse that when we take advice, we are wise. And maybe I'm doing extra preaching for the guys in the room this morning. I I don't know. It's just something about being alive almost 50 years now. Wow. Wow. Being alive that long, I've never done an official scientific study of it. But by and large, most of the women I met are great with getting and giving advice to each other. I got an amen. I got, I got, actually, it wasn't so much an amen as it was, mm-hmm, uh-huh, preach it, Pastor Chris. If she, if she gets up and walks out of the room like that, that means you're right, that's... But most of us, I don't know why guys are wired this way sometimes, but most of the guys I've met, we have a hard time. This is a blind spot for us sometimes. And we need to humble ourselves to say, I don't know all the answers. Can somebody else help me? Amen, Pastor Chris. And all the guys said amen, please. (laughs) Oh, here, even, come on, even God is against being a know-it-all. Here's what he says in 1 Peter 5. It says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You see that verse? If you think you can do it all yourself, God will let you. And it won't go well for you. If we think we don't need anybody else, if we are walking in pride, it actually says God is opposed to us. He does not want to see us succeed when we are a know-it-all and we think we've got it all together ourselves. Pride is repulsive to people and pride actually is repulsive to God. But he embraces the humble. Peter, humility is the antidote of pride. If we want to get pride out of our lives, we need to develop humility in our lives. And isn't that verse amazing that Peter says, You can do this. This is not just, okay, God, come take my pride away. 
Anybody ever try that one? We've, we've, got all, we've all got our pet issues that I think we've tried that once in our lives. God, come make me humble. That's a dangerous prayer to, prayer to pray right there. But we do it and we think, oh, it's just going to happen. All of a sudden, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to be walking in pride anymore. And Peter actually says, clothe yourselves with pride. There's something about humbling yourself that we are involved in the process of getting pride out of our lives. And I think it's pretty amazing. He, he talks about two different aspects of pride. He says, have humility towards one another. He says, have humility, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. So something in these relationships that we have right in this room, Peter's saying, have humility in them, value others, see what they have to offer, take advice, humble yourselves with others. And then he also says, humble yourselves under God's hand. Tell the Lord, if you've never prayed this in a long time, take some time this week, say, Lord, I don't have it all together. I can't run my own show. I need you in my life. I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I need your hand to be upon me. Keep yourself in that kind of position. And it actually says when we do that, we're humbling ourselves under God's hand. He will lift us up. He will bring us promotion and into situations where we couldn't figure out how to get there ourselves. Humility is always the best path to go. And uh, if we want a bright future, we will get rid of pride in our lives. And I, don't, I wish I had a silver bullet answer for here's how to humble yourself. Just do A, B, and C and all of a sudden you'll be humble. It doesn't work like that cut and dry. It's, it's not that simple sometimes. There is something about each one of us that we're wired differently, different situations, different things. And I don't know what you have to do. You might have to pray it out, fast it out, jog it out, go, go for a run around the block and realize I can't do this on my own. Whatever it takes, we need to get pride out of our lives and figure out how to humble ourselves. And when we do that, you'll be amazed how bright your future will be. So everybody say, I'm going to get rid of pride. <laughs> I was just thinking, how does that work if we were saying it to each other? Like, I'm going to get rid of your pride for you. Like, no, work on your own pride. That's, that's what I meant. So spouses, that is a charge for us individually. You're not working on your spouse's pride. That's our own one. So we're going to get rid of pride if we want a bright future. And it dovetails with the second point I wanted to talk about this morning. As we get rid of pride, uh, the second point and lesson that we need to learn to have a bright future is take the high road every time. Take the high road. And uh, I think it's kind of funny because the lower we go and the more we humble ourselves, do you know that's actually part of the high road? It's, it's almost like an oxymoron to say, go lower to take the high road. But it really is. We humble ourselves and we find ourselves in a position where we can take the high road. And you know what I meant by that. Here's uh, Robert Frost, the famous poet. He said, two roads diverged in the wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. I want to tell you, I think the two roads that Robert Frost saw in the woods were the high road and the low road. And the one less traveled by is the high road. What do I mean by the high road? Uh, the high road involves telling the truth, being a person of integrity, loving others, doing the right thing, allowing ourselves to be wronged, being honest with people, apologizing, being generous in every situation, treating others better than ourselves. Those are all part of the high road. And that is not the easy road. Has anybody ever encountered that in your life? We, we get those choices to make and Taking the high road pays off every single time. 
I will tell you that is a lesson we need to learn and embrace right now is always doing the right thing. And part of the high road as a Christian is more than just the thing that we do. It is also the motive behind what we're doing. How many of you know what I'm talking about or you need me to explain it more? Or I could read a verse for you. How about that one? Taking the high road doesn't involve just a checklist of I'm going to do the right thing every time. It also involves how we feel about it and our motives behind doing it. In Proverbs 21, it says this, All of a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Doing what is right pleases God, but what is right is not just keeping a list of rules. Listen, listen to this same verse in the message translation. We'll talk about it a little more. Uh, in Proverbs 21, 2, it says, We justify our actions by appearances, but God examines our motives. Clean living before God and justice with our neighbors means far more to God than religious performance. Come on, this is where the law and the old covenant came up short. By the time Jesus came on the scene, the religious leaders had gotten so good at keeping the list of rules that it was actually causing them to treat other people like garbage. That's, I got it right on this side. I'll come preach over here. Come on. If you're under a system where you're keeping the rules so well that you get to a point where when Jesus appears and heals somebody on the Sabbath, you get angry about it. You've missed the point. When... You can go back and read, I think, the, the references in Mark chapter 7. Um, Jesus got on some people. He says, when you won't help your mother or your brother or sisters because you say, hey, what help I would have given you is dedicated to the Lord. You've missed the point. They, they were so good at keeping the rules, but they had missed the point of the rules, which was to have a relationship with God and to love other people. So doing the right thing isn't enough it's doing the right thing with the right motives. How do I love people and how does that come out in my life? Loving people helps us stay on the high road. Sometimes we get it backwards. We think first of the things we ought to do instead of the motive they come from. And if we work on the motive, if I truly love people, the stuff follows. I'll do the right thing if my motivation is that I love them and I'm for them. So, Oh, I was thinking one, one other example, somebody that kept the rules so well. Think about Paul. Even before he got his name changed, when he was Saul, he's running around imprisoning and killing Christians. And he told them later, he writes a letter and says, in regards to keeping the law, I was faultless. Here's somebody that did the right thing every time, but they didn't have the right motive. They had missed the point. He's imprisoning and killing God's people, thinking that he's being zealous for God and keeping the rules. So it's not enough to just keep the rules. Taking the high road as a Christian is our motivation that we have also. Um, This is a closely related lesson to taking the high road. And I almost made it its own number, but don't give in to stupid temptations. Because you will be tempted to take the low road, to come off of the high road, to do what's easy for a shortcut, and it's never worth it. And I use the word stupid. We, we always talked with our grandkids. We had a season in life where they would say, Pat, stupid's a not nice word. I use the word stupid because I think if we really saw the temptations for what they are and what they do in our lives, we would be amazed that we ever gave in to them. 
Come on. They, they really are stupid temptations in what they lead us into and falling into the same old thing. Just say no. Don't give in to those stupid temptations. Uh, you'll be tempted to do things that take you off the high road. You'll be, come on, think about these things after this weekend in the verdict on Friday. There's a temptation to hold on to your hate and to be angry and upset and say, man, we need some justice. That's a temptation that takes you off the high road. They, they could be other more obvious things in your Christian walk. You may be tempted to have an affair. You may be tempted to cheat, to get ahead. Or, hey, I'll, I'll just take that cash and I won't declare that on my taxes. There's all kinds of things that are temptations to take us off the high road. I just, I just got a couple faces when I said that one. Like, <sighs> But what if I tithe off of it? Does that make it okay? That's between you and the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm not going to get involved in that one. I'm just saying, take the high road. And that's what we need to do. It's so not worth it to take shortcuts and to get off the high road. Because what we do to get ahead, or to feel happy about ourselves, what we do to get ahead, we will have to keep doing to stay there. Come on, all those things that are temptations, they just spiral down a dark path. If we take those shortcuts, if we give in to them to tempt the temptations, we will have to continue to do it to stay ahead. And then we will end up hating ourselves and feeling bad about it. can't believe I keep doing that, but I can't stop now. We need to nip it in the bud while we can. Learn that lesson now for a bright future. In Hebrews 4.15, it's talking about Jesus. It says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. You know that Jesus was tempted to take the low road to get off of the high road? The, de- the devil took him out in the wilderness, said, Hey, if you just bow down and worship me, you'll have all this. And Jesus knew there's no shortcuts in the kingdom. And what, what God wants to develop in our character, we need to stay on the high road. Jesus, out of anybody else, you can't say, but has anybody prayed this or has it just been me? Jesus, you don't understand. Come on, that verse says he does understand. And it's in fact, it's exactly because he went through and did what he did and stayed on the high road that he understands And that he's able to help us. He sees our weaknesses because he was tempted in all those ways. Saying, Jesus, you don't understand what it was like is no longer an excuse for us. When when we read that verse and see Jesus went through everything that we go through. And he didn't sin in any of it. We can't start our prayers with, Jesus, you don't understand why I did that or what I was going through. Oh, he loves you though. And he wants to help us. Temptations try to pull you off the high road again and again. Don't let them. The, the low road has virtually no reward to it. It may be temporary. It may be seasonal. The low road has no reward. I was trying to think of the cliche somebody told me one time. Uh, don't wrestle with a pig. Anybody know the end of that cliche? Don't wrestle with a pig. You'll both get dirty, but the pig will like it. And that was a all of the farmers said amen, and everybody else is like, why would I wrestle with a pig? The temptations to pull you off the high road want you to get down, and it may be circumstances, but sometimes it's people. Get down here with me, and let's complain together. Let's be angry together. Let's do all these things. It's okay, because we're all upset about it. 
And we'll all get dirty, but the pig likes it. So there you go. Stay on the high road. Don't give in to those temptations. There's, there's no reward, but the high road comes with rewards, even if we don't see them in the immediate sense. Uh, I just want to read these couple verses. There's, it's a bunch to put on the screen, but just listen to these verses from 1 Peter 3. It says, Now who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? Who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? I, I think sometimes, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not reading the verse, I'm talking about it. I think sometimes we have this anticipation that everybody's going to hate us all the time because we're Christians. That does happen sometimes. You will get persecution for just being a Christian and taking a stand. But Peter was saying, hey, the reality, most often what you should experience, if you want to do the right thing, who's going to persecute you for it? In fact, people will want you to be around them. How many of you, as a prospective employer, if you were interviewing somebody to hire them, how many of you would want somebody that was a person of integrity, that was a Christian that took the high road, that did the right thing every time? There, there should be something about our lives that if we are doing the right thing, people will want us to be around them. He says, if, if you do the right thing, People will not want to persecute you. Who will be eager to harm you if you want to do good? He says, but, because Peter knew we live in the real world. He says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. This is our be ready in season and out of season verse. If you have a different translation for the hope that lies within us, we should always be ready to talk about why we are the way we are as Christians. Uh, And it says this, if somebody asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Verse 16 says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Gosh, I got too many things popping in my head as I'm reading these verses. God bless them, but I don't know that carrying the big signs on the street corner and yelling at people that they're a bunch of sinners is what this verse is talking about in the gentle and respectful way to share your faith and the hope that's within you. There should be something about the way we share even that causes people to say, oh, this person loves me. They love Jesus. They want to be around me. It says, a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed of what they see when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Peter's saying, stay on the high road no matter what, because God sees it. He'll reward you, and he's the one that matters. All right, this is the last one. So, uh, Stay on the high road. Don't give in to stupid temptations. This is a short one. Persevere through the dry seasons. Has anybody ever had a dry season in your relationship with God? Some, sometimes it just feels like it goes flat. And you're thinking, man, this, I, I had some zeal. I had some excitement. And now it just seems like it's a dry stretch. Sometimes you start to doubt the things that you believe. You're like, is, is this even real? Come on. If you have ever felt that, you're not alone. In fact, you are in the company of probably every other Christian who has ever lived. Of This is a time in my life where I'm just wondering, God, where are you? What's going on in my life? Even King David said this in Psalm 10.1. It says, God, are you avoiding me? Where are you when I need you? 
How many of you have ever felt like that in a season with God? I guess you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but if we were honest, I think we would all raise our hands. Sometimes we feel that way. God, where are you? I'm looking around. I'm I'm seeing these circumstances. I'm seeing what's happening and coming into my life. And I'm wondering, do you even notice what's happening here? There will be times like that. And we need to persevere through the dry seasons. We need to, uh, this is interesting, I think, because Andrea shared it even before worship. She said, do something different in worship today. If you notice, I stood on the other side of Pam. And it was weird for about five minutes. I was like, oh, this isn't where you normally are. And this isn't the hand that I normally whack you in the head with when I'm raising my hands. Shake things up. If you're in a dry season, look for him in a different place. Look for him in a different person that you wouldn't expect. Do something different in your time with God. Maybe you've been trying too hard. Maybe instead of reading 100 verses, you should read two today. Or maybe instead of reading two verses, you should read 100. I don't know what it is for you, but shake it up. Do something different than what you've normally been doing to say, God, this is a relationship, and I'm going to seek you and find you and not just let it become rote and do the same old thing and expect the same results. If we're in a dry season, do something different to look for him. Uh, I wrote myself a note off to the side here. Find some places to laugh. Do you know that there's joy in God's presence? And sometimes we get so caught up in it being a duty that it's just like, all right, I'm going to read the Bible again. I got to be with these people, whatever it is. Sometimes it gets to be so much of a duty. And I think God enjoys when we laugh together. And, and we actually have fun in his presence with one another. So if you're feeling you're in a dry season, look for a place to laugh even this week. And uh, you can laugh before we leave today. I'll give you a chance to do that maybe. Um, and keep doing the right things whether you feel it or not. This, this is something. Your, your emotions will eventually catch up with what you're doing. Our, we shouldn't be ruled by our emotions. We should do the right thing no matter what. And this is a promise that, that God gave to us in 1 Corinthians 1.9. It says, God who got you started in this spiritual adventure shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. What an awesome promise in the scripture. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. If you're in a dry season and you've been there for a little while, I'm here to remind you this morning, he hasn't given up on you. He never will, and we need to be reminded of that. Don't forget that he is with you at all times, even if we don't feel him or we're like King David saying, God, are you avoiding me? Where are you right now? He is there with us, and be reminded of that. Mm. Whether we see him or hear him, I I believe eventually his faithfulness always swallows up our disappointments and our dry seasons and the things we're walking through. So coming off of that, the action item I I wanted for us this week is is to do just that. Look for Jesus in an unexpected place this week. Maybe, Maybe you don't expect to meet Jesus in the grocery store. Come on, change that this week and think, Jesus, I'm gonna look for you when I'm out buying groceries. You, you will find him in the green giant owl when you go to get green beans. Come on. If we're looking for him and we're willing, I, and I think that's part of our Christian walk is to shake it up and not just let it become the routine over and over again. Look for Jesus in an unexpected place. Maybe, maybe you have a relationship in your life with a family member or somebody at work that you just have this expectation of it's going to be difficult to talk to them. 
We don't have any difficult family members, do we? Maybe you have that expectation up front and you think, oh, I'm not even looking forward to seeing them this week. How about have an expectation to see Jesus in that moment? In that conversation with that person? We all know who that person is. What if we went into that conversation thinking, I'm looking for Jesus in this moment and, and listening for his voice and looking for a chance to be his love to that person? You know, you'll find him if you go in that way. So look for Jesus in an unexpected place this week and then let, let somebody know about it. Wouldn't it be cool to hear from somebody that, oh man, what we talked about on Sunday, it actually works. Jesus was there when I went to the store and, and did this. So that's our challenge for this week. Look for him in an unexpected place. Let somebody know about it afterwards. Uh, right now though, let's go ahead and stand together and we're going to pray and have an opportunity to be prayed for if you want that. might find Jesus in an unexpected place when you go to buy a new car and there he is kissing you right on either end of the, the, the deal the old car going out and the new car coming in thank you Lord God we ask that you would do that even this week as we leave this place uh, meet with us in unexpected places Lord in, in places that we've, we just get so caught up in our own agenda, our own routine, that we've forgotten that you are alive and vibrant and that you are with us at every moment. Lord, show up, manifest your presence in those moments when we weren't even expecting it. Lord, show us through other people around us, other circumstances, opportunities to see you and to be you. God, we say that we love you. We thank you that you're involved in our lives. We thank you for your promise that you will never give up on us. Lord, help us to remember that always. Lord, we ask right now that as we leave this place, you would continue to let your goodness and your mercy overflow in our lives. And not just to our lives, Lord, but through our lives so that it would flow to the people around us that we interact with. Lord, let your light shine through us so that you would get glory and honor for the things that we do. We just bless you today. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. And we honor you in Jesus' name.